God, we love you, and we just give you praise this morning. God, you are good, and you are always good. And so, God, would we remember that this week? Would you remember that today? But, God, this morning, as we, as we open up your, your word, and we, we unpack another story, a story that's familiar, a story that is maybe old for some of us, would we get some new meaning and some new light shed on this story from you this morning? And would this be more than just a story that we know, but it would be a story that, that affects and changes our lives and affects and, and challenges our faith. God, we love you. We give you praise. God, speak through me this morning. God, I, I, I don't want to ever just get up here and try and speak without you, God. Would you speak through me? Would it be your voice that is heard this morning? We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in a series this morning, uh, week two of our series, just called Stories. I'm going to take off my glasses so I can see everybody here. We're in, a week, uh, we're in week two of our series just called Stories, and we are kind of taking a look at some of the, the old familiar stories that we read about in, in this book, that we read about in Scripture, uh, and uh, some of them are, are Sunday school stories and uh, but, but I want to just make clear during this series that these stories are not just kids' stories. These are not stories that, that God gave us in his word so that we would have something to teach our kids in Sunday school. This is for you. It's for me. This is for everybody. These stories are some amazing stories in here. And so uh, the, this, in fact, this, this, the Bible at its core is a story. You read from Genesis to Revelation, and and we get a story of creation, and we get a story of of beauty and sin and restoration and sacrificial love and and reconciliation. This This is a beautiful story in here, and in fact, we are still a part of this story here. Our story is combined with the stories that we read in here to to make up the grand story of what God is and has been doing in the world. And so I I never want to never want to just discount the power of stories because every story we read about gives insight into our story. It's the same story. And so last week, uh, we took a look at the life of Daniel. Uh, we looked at, at a few of his stories, and one of the more familiar ones is Daniel in the lion's den, but we looked at just how Daniel's story came to be, how he even got into Babylon. And, and the thing that we got, the thing that we can build our faith on from Daniel's story is Daniel knew what it took to stand. Daniel knew what it took to stand strong, to stand up for his faith. He knew what he believed in and why he believed in. He was not going to waver. He didn't eat the food that the king gave him because he didn't want to defile himself in that way. When the king makes an edict and says, you can't pray to anybody but me for the next 30 days, we read in in Daniel chapter 6 that Daniel went up to his room with the window open just like he did every day before that, and he prayed. Sometimes we, we teach Daniel and the lion's in and we talk about trusting God. That's a, that's a great lesson to learn about trusting God, even when you know you're doing the right thing, to just trust God. Man, I think we, we look at Daniel on a deeper level and see someone who knew how to stand and to stand up for his faith, to stand for what he believed in. I think that's what we can get out of Daniel. This week, uh, we're going to look at a story about a man with a calling. A man with a calling. And I say that, I don't tell you who it is. I think you, probably, you might be able to guess it. But that's a man with a calling. I say that word, though, sometimes, calling. And calling is kind of a scary word. 
Right, we think about calling and we think about it in the context of God and we, we kind of reserved that phrase, that word for pastors and missionaries and people who are, who are called by God to go and spread the gospel, which, spoiler alert, that's you as well. Right? But we kind of have saved that word for, for people in vocational ministry. We talk about a calling and we do that, but calling is much deeper than that. You have a calling on your life. You were saved by, on purpose for a purpose by God. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, you don't have to go there, but I'm going I'm to read it for you, that we are saved by grace through faith. But in verse 10 it says, we are God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. You have been created on purpose for a purpose. There are things that God would have you do with your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has, if you will, a calling for your life. The question that we need to answer this morning is what do we do with that calling? <clears throat> what do we do with the calling that God has given us? Do we even know what the calling is? All right, first of all, we need to discern what that calling is, but the, the question, the main question that I want to talk about this morning is what do I do with this calling? God is calling me to do something. It might not look like a job. It might not look like a, a vocation that he is calling me to. It's in the long term that he's calling me to. God might be calling me to go have a conversation with someone today. God might be calling me to go and do a specific thing on this specific time right now today. God, God's calling is, is multifaceted. There are long-term callings that God gives us. But there, God is also calling us sometimes to do something right here, right now, today. And our decision and our question is, what do I do with this calling? How do I respond to this calling? Today I want to read a story of a guy who probably has had the same reaction that you and I have had. His name is Jonah. Jonah is a guy who responds to God's calling. If you want to turn, we're going to be in Jonah today. Jonah chapter 1 is on page 654 of our, of our pew Bibles if you're there. But I want to just give you a little insight into who Jonah was before we get there. Gives us a little insight into his story, into his calling a little bit. Jonah was an 8th century uh, prophet. Uh, he was 8th century B.C. prophet. He had a nickname, and his nickname was the Patriotic Prophet. He was the Patriotic Prophet. He lived in Israel. He had some incredible pride in Israel. He wanted to see Israel prosper. He wanted to see it succeed and, and in some respects, it was probably this patriotism that kind of limited him some as a prophet. There's only one prophecy that we have of Jonah outside of the book of Jonah. It's in 2 Kings chapter 14. And he is prophesying that Israel is going to be prosperous and it's going to grow its territory. What's interesting is, is that he's doing this at a time where the king is doing evil in the sight of God. King Rehoboam II is in power, and he's doing evil in the sight of God. We read that in Scripture, and actually we, we see that told about him in Scripture. And when we read the Scripture about him, we can understand that, yeah, that checks out. Like, he is doing some pretty awful things in the eyes of God. This is an evil king. But Jonah prophesied that God was going to prosper Israel. He was going to grow Israel's territory in this time. And guess what? It happens. Even though the king is evil. Even though the king is doing evil in the sight of God, God prospers Israel. 
God grows Israel. And God, God did bless Israel. But while they were prosperous, their hearts were not right. Another, thing, another interesting thing about Jonah is that he has kind of two contemporary prophets that we have in Scripture. Amos and Hosea. They're kind of the contemporaries of Jonah. And there's a, there's a huge difference in the kinds of prophecies that these people are, are putting out there. Amos and Hosea are all about the repentance of Israel. Israel, turn around. Come back to God. And Jonah's over here, and he's, he's prophesying about prosperity of, of Israel. And, and, but, but Amos and Hosea are calling them out of something. And while they are doing that, Jonah is relatively silent. And so we get, this is, this is just a, a picture of Jonah. Jonah is kind of the, the patriotic prophet. He is all about Israel. The prosperity of Israel, the, the growing of Israel. He, he wants to see Israel succeed. And so we get to the book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah is, is really interesting. And when you take this all into context. Here's how, here's how Jonah starts. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. I want to stop right there and just say that the, at this point, God realizes that the, the level of wickedness, the level of evil in Nineveh has risen to a point where he needs to do something about it. Right? So he goes and he talks to Jonah. Now you would think that Jonah would just love this opportunity to go and to to basically just go and tell Nineveh how evil they are. See, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, and Assyria and Nineveh are basically sworn enemies of Israel. And so so Jonah is being told, hey, I need you to go to Nineveh. See, Nineveh has just been, been brutal to Israel over the years, and there's no signs of that stopping. In fact, we can kind of infer from this reading that, that the evil is not going to get better, right? God is, God is going to step in here and do something. And so you can see that Jonah would think, yeah, these pe- I need to go and tell Nineveh. I need to go and tell these people about their deeds. I need to go and tell these people what God has to say. You would think that he would be excited I mean, aren't there some people in your life that you just wish God would give you a green light to go after? No? Yeah? This would be like that for Jonah. Like Jonah, this, if there was someone that God would just say, all right, you get the green light, you just go and tell them how evil they are. Jonah's, Jonah should have been. His, his reaction should have been one of, yes. I'm in. Like, I, I, I want to do this. I'm, I'm ready for this. I want to go and tell these people how evil they are. But Jonah is not excited. And in fact, we read in verse 3 that Jonah decides he's, he's not going to do that. In fact, he's going to run. Why? Why does Jonah decide to run? There's a few different theories on this, right? One of them is just that Nineveh's kind of a long way, so... I don't want to go over to Nineveh. Nineveh is in the heart of enemy territory. Maybe Jonah's just scared. I don't think so. I, I don't think Jonah is just scared. You don't really see a whole lot of prophets of God who are, who are scared to go into the places where they're supposed to be preaching because they know that God is behind them. 
They know that God is speaking through them. They know that God is speaking for them. They know they have nothing to be afraid of. So I don't, I don't think he's scared. Here's what I think, here's why I think Jonah doesn't want to go. I think Jonah understands what God is up to. I think Jonah understands that if he goes there and he tells them how evil they are, that God is going to offer them repentance and grace and love. And man, those people just don't deserve that. So no, I'm not going to go. In fact, I'm going to go the other way. I think Jonah wanted no part. Jonah just wanted to see them get what they deserved. He wanted no part in the reconciliation of the city of Nineveh. And I think sometimes, just a side note here, I think sometimes we read some of these, some of the prophets' words, we read about them, and they seem kind of harsh and judgmental. And while that's true, I think within that, there is underwritten an amount of grace in there. Right? God does not cast judgment without offering grace as well. Right? No longer are we condemned. Why aren't we condemned? Because of the grace of God. At one point, we had to come face to face with our sin, and we don't stand condemned in that moment. Why don't we stand condemned in that moment? Well, because we have a God who offers grace and love and reconciliation. I think Jonah knows this, that when he goes to confront Nineveh with their sin, that God is kind of underwriting this, this, this act of judgment with, with grace and with love, and he does not want to see that happen. I think judgment and grace are two sides of the same coin. Oftentimes, they go, they go together. There's not two gods. Sometimes we look at the God in the Old Testament and we see, man, look at all the judgment that, that, is, in this, that is in the Old Testament. Now, this God is just like, like I don't want to get on the wrong side of this God. Right, this God is a God who just takes people out and who just, just destroys people and calls people. This is a God of judgment. And then we, we turn like 100 pages forward in our Bible and we read the New Testament and we think, now this is the God I can get behind. This is a God of love and of grace. This is the kind of God that I want to serve. I, I have to tell you this morning, there is not two gods. There is one God. And oftentimes we have to see the judgment of God through the lens of the grace of God. And oftentimes we have to see the grace of God in the New Testament through the lens of the judgment of God that is there waiting. They are two sides of the same coin. So, So Jonah doesn't want to go. I think he knows that speaking words of judgment there turn into words of grace, which we will see at the end of this book. Right? The, the judgment that Jonah goes to preach leads to grace, leads to goodness, which is, which is why he doesn't want to go. So we're told that Jonah, instead of, instead of doing what God is calling him to do, goes instead to Tarshish. Now, we're not sure exactly where Tarshish is, we, the, the word itself means sea or seaport, so it could have, could have really been anywhere. But we know this, he wasn't going to Nineveh. Right? If, if, if Nineveh was northeast, he was going southwest. Right? He was not going 
to Nineveh. And it was, it was just the clear opposite direction of what God, has, God was calling him to do. And I think a lot of us maybe can relate to this concept. Hearing a call from God, getting a call from God, saying, hearing God tell us, hey, I want you to, to do this. I want you to go here. I want you to do this. I know in my own life it's true. God called me to ministry during my freshman year of college. I wanted no part of ministry at the time. I had just seen what my family had gone through. My family had just been torn apart. My dad was in ministry. I didn't want to do that. I wanted no part of ministry. And so I hear a clear call from God. Hey, I want you to go into ministry. And I ran. I ran. I wanted no part of ministry. I wanted no part of doing anything like that. I, I, I didn't feel like I could do it. So I began to try and justify. All right, God. Maybe you didn't actually mean that. Let's, let's try and dialogue together here, God. What did you actually mean here? Because I know that you weren't actually calling me to ministry. And so I began to talk to other people that I knew, talk to people that I respected, talk to some professors that I knew and loved, and, and they all basically told me the exact same thing. If you feel like God is telling you to do this, he probably is. They looked at me, and they knew my character. They knew that it would fit. And they said, if God is calling you to do this, you need to do this. And so two weeks later, I did. Changed my major. Did all kinds of stuff to, to go the right direction. But I know what it's like to hear a call from God and to not want to go. Maybe you do too. Maybe you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe it's not, like I said earlier, a vocational thing. Maybe God wasn't calling you to a certain job or a certain city or a certain place. But maybe God was calling you to a conversation or something and you just didn't. Right, we know this is, this, is what, this is what Jonah is doing. He's, he's not going. So I think from this story in Jonah, there's some lessons here. For all of us, for, for those who occasionally run from God, all of us, I think there's some lessons in here that we can learn from Jonah. And here's, I think, the first lesson that we can learn is that you can't really run from God. You can only run from the call of God. You can't really run from God. You can only run from the call of God. I think Jonah knows this as well. I think he, he never was trying to escape God. He was trying to run from the call of God. I mean, why did he not want to go to Nineveh? Because he knew that God was at work there. I think he, if, he could, if, if they could respond and repent, I think if he, in his eyes, if he could just put some distance between him and the call of God, maybe the call would get a little softer. Maybe he wouldn't hear it quite so loud in his ears. Maybe he wouldn't have to go anymore. Maybe he would just be too far. Maybe if he waited long enough, God would call someone else. Have you ever thought that? Maybe if, I, maybe if I don't, maybe if I just wait long enough, God will just use someone else. Uh, maybe, maybe this is what Jonah was thinking, but we know that he knew as a prophet of God that he was not going to escape God himself. He was not going to run from God himself, but he was running from the call. Now I think this, this happens to us as well. 
When we hear God calling us to something, when we, when we feel the call of God, the tug of God on our lives to go and do something, even as small as a conversation, even as small as an encounter with someone at work or wherever it may be, and maybe even in our family. When we get this call, when we feel this call, and, and we run, we say, no, I'm going to go the other way. We're not, for, in most cases, I don't think we're actually running from God himself. I think we're running from what God is calling us to. And so we begin to pull away, to kind of distance ourselves from the call of God. We begin to kind of pull away from our church family, pull away from people who, who we know are close to God because we don't want them to have to say something or get to, like, get to speak into our lives of why aren't we following God. Right? We pull away. Or we don't read as much because we know what God is trying to say. We don't want to hear it. We don't pray as much. Why? Because we, we know what God is trying to say to us and we don't want to hear it. And so we begin to, to pull away. We begin to disconnect from people. And scripture gets less important. And, and prayer gets less important. And connecting with other people gets less important. And we, we know that that's how God speaks and we don't want to hear him. And so we, we distance ourselves. We run from the call of God. So, lesson number one. We, we, we can never run from God. We can only run from the call of God. This is what Jonah was doing. Jonah was running from the call of God. Here's lesson number two. Even when we run, God manages to get our attention. Even when we run from the call of God, God manages to get our attention. Some of us know the story of Jonah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it this morning. We know that Jonah... Uh, gets the, God gets the attention of Jonah in a very big way. Right? Verse 3, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. They all called out to their own God. I don't want you to miss that point. Right? Everybody was calling out to their own God. But where is Jonah? Jonah, <clears throat> we read in verse, well, the end of verse 5 here, that Jonah had gone below deck. And he had gone to sleep, it says, where he lay down and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that he will not perish. Notice, everyone else is calling on their God. Jonah doesn't want any part of that. Jonah knows what God is calling him to do. He's running from the call of God. Jonah wants no part of calling on God. He knows what God is trying to tell him. So he goes below deck and he tries to go to sleep. Then the verse 7, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Here's what casting lots looked like. Okay, casting lots was like two dice that they would have. There was light sides and dark sides on the, on, the, on the dice, and you would roll the dice. Two dark sides meant, no, it's not you. Two light sides meant, it's you. So you can just imagine Jonah just rolling these dice, just, he's not praying, right? But he's, he's hoping, come on dark, come on dark. But you can just imagine Jonah, light side, light side, 
light side. The lot is, is it, it dry, falls on him. I mean, talk about God just getting his attention. Everyone else, everyone else is calling on their God. Jonah wants no part. They cast lots. It falls on him, right? It's obvious that Jonah is the one that is causing all of this. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Verse 8. So they asked him, <clears throat> tell us, who is responsible for making this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? This is like one of those classic, like if this was a commercial, this would be like the want to get away moments, you know, like the Southwest cheap flights, you know, want to get away. What should we do to you to make this storm calm down for us? What should we do to you? Nah, this, just, this question is just, man, this question is just crazy. God, God intervenes here. God gets Jonah's attention. You cannot argue that at this point, God has Jonah's attention. So, when we run from God, we are not actually running from God, we're running from the call of God. And even while we are running from the call of God, God will get our attention. Here's the, the last thing I want to talk about. When, we, when God gets our attention, we have a decision to make. When God finally gets your attention, we have a decision to make. Jonah is asked here, what should we do to you to get this storm to calm down. What should we do? And Jonah has a decision to make here. And in verse 12, we see his decision. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing him, an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. And they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and made vows to him. Verse 17, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And from inside the fish, he prayed to the Lord his God. Jonah made a decision. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm done pretending. I'm done running. Jonah understood that unless he stopped, there was going to be no reconciliation here. Unless he stopped, something bad is going to happen unless he stopped. But Jonah chose to get honest. Jonah chose to be honest and, and, and God intervened. Jonah understood that God was intervening in the boat. I, think, I, I don't think Jonah knew that God would intervene after he's thrown into the water, but God does. God intervenes yet again. And, and this God who wanted to intervene in Nineveh intervened on the boat and he intervened in the sea as this fish comes and he swallows 
Jonah. He intervened to save him and to restore him. And this is good news for all of us who occasionally run. That God is in the intervening business. God wants to intervene in our lives when we're going the wrong way and call us to repentance and call us to right living and call us, to take a word from our last series, call us into holiness again. This is what God is in the business of doing. God is in the business of saving and restoring. And for Jonah, it was a fish. For us, he sent a cross. We have a cross that is a sign to us of forgiveness and salvation and a changed trajectory in our lives. Here's the the end of the story. Jonah, Jonah ends up going. Jonah prays to God in, in chapter 2. And in chapter 3, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. This time, Jonah obeys the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. I'll just keep reading. Nineveh was a large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. All right, this is why I don't think Jonah was scared to go in the first place, because when you can walk through a big city like this and just say, in 40 days you're going to be overthrown, I, I don't think you're very scared. Right, but this is, this, is, this is what he's saying. Hey, 40 days you're going to be overthrown. 40 days Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's, <clears throat> when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let the people or animals, herds, or flocks taste anything. Do not let them drink, but let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? Maybe God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. That's 4 verse 1. This seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sin and calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Just understand where Jonah is right now. Jonah would rather die than see his enemies come to know God. This is where Jonah is right now. You talk about, this this is why he gets that name, the patriotic prophet. He would rather die than see people who aren't from Israel come to God. It seemed wrong. This This is why I was running. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and he waited to see what would happen to the city. I I just, I love this picture of Jonah going out, finding a hill where he can oversee Nineveh and just camping out, just waiting to see the, the flames, really. He just wanted to see the smoke. He wanted to see like the city go down in flames. He was just waiting to see this. If he had popcorn back then, I'm sure he was popping it. Like this is, this is where he wanted something to happen. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head 
to ease the discomfort. But Jonah was very happy, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. Jonah's just a little bit temperamental. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? And that's just how the book ends. Jonah does not want to go. And it's not because he, he just doesn't love God. There's an obvious love for God there. I mean, you even look in chapter 3. I, I know who you are. No, I'm sorry, chapter 4. I knew that you're gracious and compassionate. I know that you're, that you're slow to anger and abounding in love. I know all of these things about you. I know who you are. I love you and I follow you. I just didn't want to see that happen. So he says no to the call of God. I'll go back to where I started for a second. Each and every one of you are called by God to something. None of us, I'm afraid, are called by God to comfort, to do nothing, to sit and just watch. That's not what, that's not what God has for us. God has something for each and every one of us, and we have a decision to make. Will we pull a Jonah and go the other way? Or will we pull a Jonah and go? My, my prayer is that we go. And even if the outcome is not what we wanted, that we would go and that we would remain faithful. Part of, of walking with God and walking in holiness, as we've just been talking about for the last five or six weeks, is following God even when the outcome is unsure or even when the outcome is undesired. What is God calling you to? This week, I want you to think about that. I want you to think, and I want you to kind of just take some notes, write down, what is it that God is calling me to today? Again, the calling of God is not always a long-term calling. Sometimes it's, what is God calling me to today, right now, in this moment? What is God calling me to this week in my life? What is God calling me to in my family or at my job? Or what is, what is God calling me to. I think it's a, a good thing to have an understanding of God's calling on your life. And so I'm, I'm going to pray for you this week, and I hope you will join me in this prayer. God, what is my calling? I'm going to be praying over every single one of you. God, would you just, would you just show them their calling in their life? Would you show them what you would have them to do this week, this month, 
and their lives moving forward, whether it's long-term or short-term, God, would you just make their calling clear on their lives? And my prayer for you is that you would say yes. That your answer to God is yes. I'll go. I will go. Jonah said no. We see other people in, in Scripture, like Moses, who says, yeah, can someone else come with me? <laughs> we see other people in Scripture who, like Abraham, God calls them to go on the next verse. We see, so they went. Right? That's my prayer. My prayer is that we're those people who, who God calls us to go, and we just jump in and we dive in because that's what God is calling us to do. Let's learn from Jonah this week. Let's learn about saying yes to the calling of God. This is more than just a, a kid's, kid's church story. Our kids did learn about this story a couple weeks ago, but it's more than just a kid's story. This is, this is a story for you, a story for me, even today, where we are right now. Let's pray. God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you honor. We give you glory. God, we, we, uh, we look at the life of Jonah this morning and we see that Jonah knew his calling on his life. God, we know that Jonah was a prophet. Jonah knew he was a prophet. He was, he was calling people from things into other things. This is what the job of the prophet is. And so, God, when you sent him to Nineveh, God, this, this answer of, of no. God, will we not just be, will we not be someone who can just say no? Would we be the kind of people that, that just go? Would we be like Abraham in Genesis where you say, go, leave everything and go, and we just, we go? God, for each and every one of us this week, would, we, would you just, would you make clear your calling on our lives? Would you make clear your purpose in our lives, God? Would we be able to live that out? Would we be able to, to chase that and know that and find that this week? And God, would we say yes? Would we say yes? God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And as you do, I just want to say this, uh, this blessing on you. Just hold your hands out receive this blessing from God. May the God of grace and love and joy. May he go ahead of you this week and with you this week into your workplaces, into your homes, into your families. We you be in your conversations this week. That the words that come out of your mouth would please him, that the actions that you live would be his. Would you come to know and love God's calling for your life this week? And would you say yes? Go in the peace and love of our great God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning.